as you know, for the last number of weeks, we really feel that God has called us into a season that we're naming deeper. Uh, It's not just a preaching series or an opportunity to kind of preach into some things, but we really feel that God has spoken by his spirit to say that he wants us to come back to that place of first love, that he wants a, a reset moment, that he wants us to go deeper into the love that he has for us. And so today, I just want us to take some time to think about the love of God. Maybe when you think about that phrase, God loves me, or the love of God, or, or that kind of stuff, it, it might seem very familiar to you. Or maybe it's one of those phrases that is difficult to hear and difficult to understand. How could God love me? But God tells us through his word that he is a God of love, and he's crazy about us. <laughs> He is absolutely crazy about us. But I wonder, how do you know if you're loved? Well, you may have had the privilege in your life of someone turning around to you one day, maybe a spouse or a parent or a sibling or a child back up at you and says to you, I love you. Look you square in the eye and say, I love you. How do we know if we're loved? Well, usually someone tells us, I love you. And we think, wow, someone would want to speak those words over our lives and they're really powerful. But if we want to know if someone really loves us, words on their own are not enough. I can say to you, I love you and then be really mean to you. I'm not really backing up the words that I'm saying. I can say, or someone can say, I love you, and then never do anything to bless you or help you. So, for example, you get married, and on the wedding day, it's all, I love you, no, I love you, no, I love you. It's all very lovely. And then one spouse says, right, that's it. I want you to look after me hand, foot, and finger. I'm not going to do anything for you the whole the rest of our married life, but I do love you. Well, do you really? Perhaps we need to work out how you show that. And the amazing thing about God is that not only does his word tell us, I love you, but his actions demonstrate that love for us. They have consistently, they have always shown that he loves us. That he created this world and he created us as an expression of his love. And that Jesus came to this planet and he showed love in the most incredible way. And maybe you are someone and people have said they loved you and feeling and experiencing and receiving love is very simple for you. You're like, yes, I just want more of that. But maybe for some of you, maybe things that have happened in your life or words that have been spoken over you, you, it finds really hard to hear, God, I love you. God loves me. But let me read this really famous sentence from his word. John 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For some of us, that's a a really familiar sentence out of the Bible. For others of us, it might just kind of grab our attention today. For God so loved the world. God says that he loves the world. And then God shows that he loves the world. He shows us that he loves us. Jesus came and died for us. And through his word and by his spirit, he faithfully, steadfastly, consistently, everlastingly, I don't know if that's a word, shows us his love for us. 
for God so loved the world. Now replace the word the world (laughs) with for God so loved me. Put your name in that place. For God so loved you. For God so loved you. In fact, it tells us that even before the foundations of the earth, in Ephesians 1 and verse 4, it says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault. Even before he made the world, he had decided he was going to love us. I mean, that's brilliant because it means it's nothing to do with us. He's already decided. Done deal. He loves us. And even though he knew that humanity would mess up, and even though he knew that we would make mistakes and we would, be, we would kind of fail and get things wrong, even though all of that, God said, I still chose you and I love you. And I want to be in right relationship with you. I want you to know my love, go deeper in my love, know my embrace, know who you are in me. That the words that we were singing in those songs aren't simply words, but they become our reality. For God so loved you. Just let that sink in, not just for the person next to you, but for you. He loves you and he's chosen you and you are not an accident. Whether you were planned by your parents or not, you are not an accident and you are not here by accident. God wants to pour out his love into you afresh wants to take you deeper. Wherever you are in your journey of knowing God and understanding God and experiencing God, God has so much more for you. Whether you feel like you deserve it or whether you don't, God loves you. In fact, he loves you so much that he gave his one and only son. God gave what was most precious, himself. Jesus left the wonders of heaven. The message version says of John chapter 1, he moved into our neighborhood. He came from this glorious place to be one of us, to be with us. And at the same time, stayed fully God. It's amazing what he was willing to do. I mean, one day I'm going to get to heaven. I've got to say, I don't think I want to leave there once I get there. It's going to be amazing. And yet Jesus is like, I love you so much. I'm going to leave that. I'm going to come to this planet. I'm going to show love in the most real way. I'm going to demonstrate the words that I've been speaking into creation. He came with a mission and he came with a goal and we are it. Jesus came for us. He came to put right the things that we have done and said and thought that are wrong. He came to take the blame and pay the price for everything. The things that people know about us, the things that people don't know about us. And he said, you know what? I'm willing to give my life in place of yours. Isn't that amazing? That we who deserve that punishment, that we deserve to the consequences of the things that we do wrong. And Jesus says, no, no, I'll take that. I'll take that on myself. And I will show you my love and I will be nailed to a cross. I will willingly choose to do that for you. No one takes my life, Jesus says. No one takes it from me. I willingly choose to give my life, to be nailed to a cross, to be broken and beaten and bruised. And to die in our place, taking all of it on himself. It cost him everything he had to give. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 
whoever, whoever you are, wherever you're from, whatever you've done, whatever you haven't done, whatever you said, whatever you should have said and didn't say and thought you shouldn't have said and then you did say, whatever, whoever, whoever believes, whoever says, I believe in you, Jesus, and I believe in what you've done and I want to trust you and give my life to you, whoever believes will not perish but have eternal life. That God says, I don't want to just be friends with you here on the earth, although that will be amazing. I don't want to just walk with you daily, although that will be amazing. I don't want to just bring you back into right relationship with me and forgive you and give you a fresh start, although that will be amazing. I want that for eternity. <laughs> I mean, I, I like a lot of you very much. But eternity? Whoa, hang on a second. No, Jesus is like, I want you for eternity. I want you to know my love for eternity. That this journey you start here on earth to awaken to my love will take you right through into that place of my presence. That whoever believes. He didn't come simply to save us, although he did. He didn't come simply to demonstrate the love of God, although he did. He didn't come just to bring us a fresh start and forgiveness, although he did. He came to bring us back to the Father. Jesus said of himself in John 14 verse 6, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus came to bridge the gap, to make a way. For us to know the love of Father God. You may take your seats a moment. Ephesians 1 verse 5 tells us this. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. The father loves us. Sin had separated us. So Jesus came and paid the price and bridged the gap so that you and I could know the love of the father. And however much we've experienced of that love, there is so much more for us to discover, to understand that daily, moment by moment, we have a friendship, a relationship with the God of heaven our heavenly father. And it gave him great pleasure to save us. It gave him great pleasure to make a way for us to know the father properly in right relationship. It cost him everything, but we are the joy that was set before him. To say, I'm going to be restored to right friendship and right relationship. Jesus is the way to daddy God. And last week we thought about the story of the father's love from a parable that Jesus told in Luke chapter 15. And it's often known as the parable of the prodigal son, a younger son who had messed up, who asked for his inheritance and then went out of town and wild living. And he really messed up. He spent all the money, lived wildly, ended up with nothing, Got so desperate, he started to feed the pigs. And the pig's food looked 
exciting to him because he had nothing else. No one gave him anything. And, and he comes to his senses and he realizes, in my father's house, even my servants have, servants have got a better deal than I've got right now. And so he says he came to his senses and he starts, he heads back towards the father. And as he's on the way, the father is looking out for him. And the father runs to him and embraces him and, and restores him to full rights as a son. He gets his rehearsed speech out, but the dad's like, oh, don't worry about it, kids. You're back. We want to celebrate. And they have this massive party to celebrate that this son who was lost is now found. This son who they thought was dead is now alive. And the whole neighborhood is invited and everyone's having a great time, or are they? You see, the story isn't just about the one son, it's about another son. And we pick up the story in Luke 15 and verse 25. The older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and he asked him what was going on. Your brother has come home, the servant replied. Your father has killed the fattest calf. He has done this because your brother is back safe and sound. And everyone goes, woohoo, yay! Except the older brother doesn't respond like that. It says the older brother became angry, verse 28. He refused to go in. So his father went out and begged him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've worked like a slave for you. I've always obeyed your orders. You never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But this son of yours wasted your money. Now he comes home and for him, you kill the fattest calf. Just listen to the voice of the older son. He is so indignant at the extravagant love of the father. He feels like he hasn't got his rights, his due, his moment. I mean, he could have had a go anytime he wanted, but he's there and he's like, what about me? What about my rights? And the reality is we have no rights. <laughs> that actually the right that we do have is that we deserve to pay the price for the wrong things we say, do and think. But God in his grace and in his love, he pays the price for that. He makes a way for us to be forgiven of those things. But the father is so loving to both of his sons. And he goes out and he's like, come and join in the party. I mean, just listen to the language of the older son. I've worked like a slave for you. Oh. If you want to know if you're abiding in his presence, ask your heart, do I say things like that? Have I ever felt like that? I'm the only one who does anything around here. No one notices or appreciates me. I'm working hard to get close to God. I'm trying my best, but I'm not enjoying God in the way I want to. How come they're getting all the blessing and the favor? What about me? And I can see some of you smiling because I think for all of us, there's a temptation to end up thinking like that, that we get so caught up in the busyness of life and in the doing, that we forget who it is who loves us. And if we find ourselves thinking like this at times, maybe we've drifted into something called orphan thinking. And what that means is we live like orphans rather than sons of the living God. And when I say sons, it's non-gender specific. Because a son has full access and full right to the father in this context, in this culture. And so when it talks about being sons of God, it's for us two girls. Yay. We're invited. We're included in that. When we live without realizing how loved we are by Father God, 
When we live without living in that reality, there are a number of things that can happen in our thinking, in our, our living. We can become more fearful, more insecure, and maybe we allow those bad past experiences to, to cloud our thinking. It can lead us to be religious or judgmental or self-focused. Well, look at them. Look what they did. And God still loves them. Mm -mm -mm. You might not say it quite like that. But maybe in your heart, every now and again, you have that thought. Or perhaps you're driven to success and to serve God. If only I serve God. If only I do all of this. If only I do that. Then God will love me. Then God will approve of me. And God is going, you don't need to do all of that. I already love you. I already approve of you because of what Jesus has done for you. If you want to serve me, that's amazing. I'd love for that to happen. But don't do it to earn my love. You've already got it. Or maybe to numb ourselves and distract us to really letting God into those deep places in our hearts and in our minds. To say, God, I'm not sure I can be that vulnerable with you. I'm not sure I can be that open to you. And God's like, I am a loving, tender, safe father who wants to speak words of truth and life into you. I don't want you to be unhealthily competitive. I don't want you to compare yourself to everyone else all the time that you're missing out on the love that I have towards you. I don't want you to strive. I want you to abide in my love. And for me, this is one of the tensions that I have lived with the whole of the time that I've been following Jesus since I was 13. This whole idea of striving after something, of being good enough somehow. And God said, you're already good enough because of what Jesus has done. And before I went on sabbatical, I found myself, I mean, I love what I get to do. I have to pinch myself sometimes that I get to do what I get to do because I absolutely love it. But I'd been getting a little bit tired and a little bit weary and a bit kind of like, oh God, this is just feels like hard work and nothing else had changed. It was what was going on in me. And while I was on my sabbatical, God showed me this picture one day when I was praying of how I lived my life, how I drifted into living my life. I would wake up in the morning after two coffees, I would make sense. Um, I would sit in the chair downstairs and look out of my lovely garden and I would have my time with God. And I would talk to him and I'd say, God, this is your day. Come and have your way. What do you want to show me? What do you want to do? And I'd have a lovely time, a little cheer time with Jesus in the morning, for those of you who remember that sermon. And then I'd go off into my day and I'd be really busy. I'd be doing things for God. I'd be helping out. I'd be changing things. I'd be moving and serving. And I love doing that. And then I'd come home at the end of the night. And then I'd, it was almost like I'd go, here we are, God. Here's what I've done for you. And you know, he's gracious and he blesses it. But he began to speak to my heart and he began to say, Sarah, how about, instead of just doing it for me, you do it with me. What? <laughs> yeah, that's, that makes much more sense, Lord. That's actually really simple. That instead of feeling like you've got to bring something to me and offer it to me, I love that you do that. But how about walking with me? How about involving me in all of your time, not just the time that you set aside? How about when you're talking to someone that you turn your attention to me in prayer and you let me speak my love through you? How about when you don't know what decision to make and you're given a dilemma, then instead of coming at the end of the day and going, God, I figured that out on my own, thanks very much, you just turned to me and said, help, and I helped you. How about instead of just doing things for me, you do things with me? That you understand that I am with you. I am present. I am always by your side. I am never leaving you. I'm never forsaking you. I'm never abandoning you. And that's what God wants for all of us. Not that we just do things for God, but with the Father. Because he's always with us. In fact, as we read on in the story, in verse 31, it says this. My son, the father said, you are always 
with me. He's like, you haven't been slaving away. You could have to go anytime you wanted it. You are always with me. And I am always with you. He says, everything I have is yours. It all belongs to you anyway. At any point, you have access to the fullness of who God is, to his love, to identity in him, to coming closer to him, to all that he has at any point. The father says, everything I have is yours. We are not orphans. We are sons. We don't just live life for God, but with him because Jesus made a way to the father. Romans 8 verses 14 to 16 tell us this. I'm just going to read verse 15. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. That's what he says. You're not slaving away. You're not fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. And that word Abba was a word the little kids would use. And it was kind of like daddy, you know, that's how close he wants to be with us. That at any moment, wherever we are, we just say, daddy. And he's right there with us, speaking his words of love, bringing freedom, bringing grace. When we say yes to following Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us to help us figure out who we are in him and help us to draw close to him. We are adopted into God's family. We become sons with full rights and full access. God is our father and he is full of extravagant, lavish love towards us. God says, you're always with me. I'm always with you. Everything I have is yours. And maybe sometimes we're like the elder son and we wonder, does God really love us? And we wonder, does God still really enjoy us? Does God still really care about us? And that's an orphan spirit speaking that says, could God, when God has clearly said in his word, I love you, you're accepted, you're significant, you're worth everything to me. God wants us to make the most of our sonship, the most of knowing and enjoying his presence every day. He loves you so much that he gave everything he had for you. He will never abandon you. He will never speak harsh, condemning words into your life. He will never ignore you. You know, a son knows that they are loved. A son can celebrate the success of others. A son's life is built on that firm foundation that whatever happens, the love of God is steadfast and faithful. Even with our faults and failings. He knows our faults and failings anyway, and he still loves us. A son is able to receive and give love. A son rests in knowing that the father is always constant and always in control. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes um, I have to catch up with my friends and family, not face to face, but via the wonders of modern technology. I'm going to finish with this story. So my family live in Wales and I don't get to see them as often as I'd like. But there's this amazing invention called FaceTime, which basically means I can video chat my mother. Now, we have worked out that you can see each other. So when I see her, she sees me. So we don't kind of, you know, pick noses or anything now. So just, you know, there's none, none of that nonsense. We, we love to see each other face to face. I love to, to be able to speak to my mum. And um, I find myself kind of in the house sometimes and maybe the kettle's on and the cats are messing about and there's kids playing outside and I can get a little bit distracted just by that sort of, you know, background noise. And so often I will get my headphones and I'll plug them into my phone and I'll put my earphones on so that I can give my family my full attention. So they know that this is their time. That whatever else is going on around me is not as important as the attention. That face-to-face, looking into your 
parents' eyes, your mum's eyes in this case, and having that kind of conversation. And I wonder if what God is saying for some of you today, it's time to move out of the distractions, the busyness, just the, the general humdrum of life, and find somewhere where you can look face to face, where you can see me giving you my love, where you can be that close to me that you hear the whisper of my heart towards you. You know, maybe today you feel a little bit like the younger son. You've messed up. You've made a mistake. Or perhaps you feel that at times you can drift into being the elder son of having that wrong kind of thinking and not making the most of the relationship with Father God. Whichever one you most resonate with, and sometimes we can be a bit of both, the response is the same, to come back to the Father, to come back to his love, to come back to his presence, to come back to his embrace, to come back to the truth that he is always with us and everything he has is ours. And so the team are going to come and lead us into a new song. And this song is really a, a prayer and it's a very simple response song that talks about coming back to a simple place, to that place of just being with God and being in his presence. And so we're not going to rush into anything. The team are going to sing it to us and you feel free to join in as soon as you start to recognize it and, and sing along with it and make this your prayer. Let this be a little bit of time where you don't have to be anywhere or do anything. Okay? Where you're shutting out the distractions and you're saying, God, just come and speak into my heart. Maybe you want to close your eyes so you're not being distracted. Maybe you want to kneel on the floor or lie. Maybe you just want to hold your hands out before him and say, come and fill me with your love afresh. Just say, I want to come back to that place, God, where it's all about you. I want to come back to that place of just receiving your love. I want to release forgiveness over myself for the wrong things I've said or done or thought. And I want to receive your forgiveness. I want to make the most of being your son. Of knowing this unending, everlasting, unconditional love of the Father in a deeper way. God, take me deeper into your love. God, take us deeper into your love. Take us back to that place of first love. Awaken our hearts to your love again, God. That we may make the most of this amazing relationship that you've made a way for.